Impact of Influence, the tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths that they are linked to. Hello, welcome. I am Matt Harris, Seton Tucker, seated across from me, and we're going to get into bond hearings and big new charges against Alec Murdoch. And we're going to be joined by our legal analyst, John Snyder, in a few minutes. And Seton, you want to mention something? Uh, yes, there's a fundraiser for Sandy Smith, who is Stephen Smith's mother, and they have a Facebook page called Standing for Stephen, and you can link to their GoFundMe from that page. Also, we would like to mention, even though Seton doesn't want us to mention, <laughs> because he's always afraid when she's on TV, and you shouldn't be, you're awesome, Oxygen is having a special on the 12th of December. We are interested to find out what will be on there. They recorded hours and hours and hours, 15, whatever, 20 hours of footage. And in this two-hour special, we don't know. We'll be on the cutting room floor, although we are in the trailer. And uh, you can check it out on Oxygen at 8 o'clock. It is called Alec Murdoch, Death, Deception, Power. 8 o'clock on Oxygen. The host is Troy Roberts. So check that out and let us know what you think. That's scary to ask. But you can find us, of course, on Murdoch Podcast on Facebook and MurdochPodcast.com. Okay, we'll get into the bond hearing and other charges against Alec Murdoch in just a few seconds. But let me set it up. We've got our legal analyst, John Snyder, with us. He's a former DA, former defense attorney. And he has been on many episodes with us, and y'all seem to love John. Some more with John here in a, in a couple of minutes. Let's start with the bond hearing, which is supposed to happen the day of this show being recorded on December 10th. But it has been delayed until next week because the statewide grand jury has indicted Alec Murdoch on 21 new counts of financial crimes and 48 separate charges totaling $1.3 million. Now, you combine that with the charges from November, it's over $6 mil right now of alleged missing money. Oh, wow, that's crazy. That's a lot of missing money. Um, so I want to talk about the charges. We have nine counts of breach of trust with fraudulent intent, seven counts of computer crimes, four counts of money laundering, and one count of forgery. And so we know that the feds are investigating, but I'm just kind of wondering... John, what you think about when they might get more involved? My take on this, since they are actively involved with local law enforcement, is that they're going to wait to see what happens in the state court actions. Do they plea out? What kind of sentencing is he given? Does he go to trial and potentially win? They're going to just hold on to their own set of aces. With each set of indictments, the potential federal violations are clearer and clearer. For every conversion charge, that's a taxable event for Alec. And if he didn't pay taxes on it, which he probably didn't since he didn't pay his clients either, those are easy to pick up federal charges that he's going to be staring down. But they may take a pass if he, if he's put away for life, they're probably just not going to deal with it because they've got other things to go do. Exactly. So I want to talk about some of the indictments. Uh, the Island Packard reported that one of the indictments was against a longtime family friend. He showed no mercy on friends or people he didn't know, allegedly, because he went out to Satterfield kids' money. So Satterfield's a part of the family. This deal was 
He his friend was supposed to receive eighty five grand in settlement money. That was in twenty eighteen. It was supposed to satisfy a medical insurance lien, but went into his personal bank account from the law firm's client's trust account, and of course, all alleged. But John, we had talked months and months and months ago now about how I believe you said that's like the one deadly sin of attorneys is to touch trust money. How'd this happen? How could it happen? So so that's part of the law firm resolving things so quickly with the Satterfield family. That will be part of probably settlements with each one of these new claimants where this is conjecture, but the case is settled. He says to client, client, we're going to put this in a structured deal so you'll get paid every year. And he gave him some excuse. And then he took that money and wrote it to the Forge account. Right. And so I think that speaks to his true criminality as opposed to the law firm being complicit because they have nothing to gain. I mean, literally the whole law firm would lose their law licenses forever and ever. So I don't, I don't think the law firm was in on it. And I don't think that they would miss it if he's cooking the book. So obviously like they're going to see the company's name and be like, okay, that went to a structured settlement. That's fine. Um, when in fact it, it went to this personal bank account that he set up. That's going to be the stuff that ends up <laughs> really, yeah, it's the easiest and the worst thing that so far he's been potentially accused of because you've got every lawsuit he's been involved in probably the last 20 years where this is, this may be just how he did his business. So people for years have just been like, oh, you know, it was great. He got me, you know, he got me $20,000. It's like, okay, what he, what they don't realize is that he actually got him. $220,000 and he kept the 200 for himself. I want to mention something real quick because you mentioned Forge and for those who have been following along, he deposited the money that he was getting allegedly from these people, uh, from the insurance companies, I should say, and he had opened this personal account under the name Forge, which is actually the name of a, a real respected uh, service that South Carolina lawyers use to structure large settlements. He did that intentionally. And if you see Forge... You know, if you're if you're just looking at the check in the law firm, or whoever's in charge there is going to be like, "Hey, it's Forge again." That's they're, they're a real thing, but he was tricky and he was using Forge and making it his own personal account. So I wanted to point that out. Okay, go ahead, Seaton. Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the other uh, allegations. There was one where he told a client that he wasn't going to charge his fees because the recovery was so small; it was only thirty thousand dollars, but the actual amount was one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. So, you know, he pocketed $150,000 off of this where he used to pay off a credit card bill, uh, pay family members and associates. In another claim, Alex told his client that he spent $100K of the settlement funds on an accident reconstruction, but the money went into the forge account, the fake forge account. The charges describe multiple other situations where he stole money from clients and used his own personal use, and multiple counties were involved as well. So, John, do you think PMPD could still be in some hot water for this? I think they could be in, in tepid water. But look, if somebody wants to do bad, they'll figure out a way to do bad no matter what. And so 
they could have every safeguard in place, but if his true intention is to steal money, he's going to figure out a way to do it that might beat all of the all the auditing uh, checks that they might have in their um, at their disposal as a law firm. Let's take a little break before we go any further. Want to welcome. A sponsor, it's Founders Federal Credit Union, Seton. Looking for the perfect home for you and your family? Nervous about monthly payments? Don't be. With a mortgage from Founders Federal Credit Union, you'll get low rates, up to 90% financing, and pay no private mortgage insurance. And for a limited time only, receive their discounted interest rate without paying the 1% fee. Nice. With many loan options to choose from, like first-time home buyer, military mortgage, and 15, 20, and 30 year fixed rate options, as well as various adjustable rate options. You can choose the mortgage that fits your lifestyle and your budget. Relax with the mortgage from Founders Federal Credit Union. Meet with one of the experienced mortgage loan officers at any of their more than 30 locations or apply now at foundersfcu.com backslash mortgage. Founders is a federally insured by NCUA and is an equal housing lender. Additional terms and conditions apply. Not all loan types are eligible for promotional interest rates. Promotion ends on February 28, 2022. Institution NMLS ID number 410646. So let's move on to the bond hearing that was supposed to happen on the day of this recording. And it was going to happen in front of Judge Allison Renee Lee. She was handling this bond hearing, previously everything in front of Judge Newman, but neither here nor there. John, do you think when it comes down to it, he is going to get bond, that Alec is going to get bond? As you guys are recounting the facts of the latest round of indictments, I'm not sure he's going to get Bond uh, ever at this point. It's really one of these things where, yeah, you did a bad thing. You you shouldn't have done that. Let's let the court system work. Uh, The next round of indictments, like, you did did a bunch of bad things. You shouldn't have. And now this, and it's, man, all you do is bad things. I mean, like, the $100,000 accident reconstruction thing, that's pretty cold cold-blooded that that's a pretty cold-blooded uh attorney that will lie to the point of stealing a hundred thousand dollars for something that never happened the other thing to look at is who were his victims okay so before his victims were yeah people he knew other lawyers now it's the random person that hired him for you know because they couldn't afford any other lawyer so they had to take it so they had to find a lawyer that would do it on contingency fee those are people that really need and are truly relying on their counsel to lead them well. I'm guessing a judge is probably not going to give bond at this point. So we also know that there's this pending writ of habeas corpus, which was filed by Ellick's attorneys uh, saying that it wasn't fair that he was denied bond two times by Judge Newman. So could you kind of explain for our listeners what exactly a writ of habeas corpus is? It's Latin for produce the body. And so it is a expedited motion that you file with the highest court to say, we need immediate action. The most dire of things, produce the body, make, make it come forth. You know, it's an atypical motion in litigation, but it's the most serious action of them all. So what you think they were saying is that Alec not receiving bond was a violation of his constitutional rights? Yes. Okay. If, if you put on the blindfold of justice, 
and it wasn't Alex Murdaugh, anybody else would have gotten bond. But because it was him, he didn't get bond. And that's that's the basis of this of, of their argument. Okay, I want to talk about the details that the Island Packet had on Murdoch's mental health treatment. This was the part of the bond fight, was Murdoch's mental state and whether or not he's a danger to himself or others. In a footnote in the filing, Murdoch's lawyers described the treatment he was receiving before being arrested, which is the first time we've really heard details. It says, quote, Mr. Murdoch had completed a phase of treatment in Florida and was proceeding immediately to Massachusetts to continue his treatment when he was arrested on the charges for which he was denied bond. It is richly ironic the state would remove him from a mental health treatment facility and then argue his need for mental health treatment is sufficient cause to deny his constitutional right to reasonable bond. So they're saying, hey, you said he needs mental health treatment, but you took him out of mental health treatment to put him in jail, right? That's that's what they're saying. Am I correct, John? That's exactly right. And again, great, great lawyers making a great argument, which is, yeah, dear judge, he's a danger. He needs help. Lawyer responds, hey, judge, he was getting help. They took him out. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the very relief that you're arguing the state must obtain, he was in the process of getting, and therefore your motion should be nullified. Yeah, you guys should lose your, your argument. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. It's instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now, and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Uh, Dr. Donna Maddox, psychiatrist, evaluated Murdoch, diagnosed him with, quote, severe opioid disorder, according to Murdoch's petition with habeas corpus. And Dr. Maddox did not find that Murdoch is a danger to himself or the community, the petition said. However, Judge Newman considered Maddox's evaluation and denying Murdoch bond on November 9th. And so that's where we stand on that. Now we move on to the happenings with Bank of America. Attorneys for the Satterfield family, our boy Eric Bland and Bland Richter, have added BOA to the lawsuit that previously was just Alec Murdoch. And they say, Bland Richter say, that Bank of America acted as Alec Murdoch's, quote, bank of fraud in big, bold letters. It details how Cousin Eddie, who is Eddie Smith, who was involved in the botched 
suicide for pay, or however you want to refer to it, that happened back on Labor Day weekend with Alec. So Cousin Eddie, who says he doesn't know Alec, Alec says he knows him, but they're not tight. He never received money from him. Now there is 17 cashier's checks totaling about 165 grand and another 254 personal checks to Cousin Eddie totaling, totaling almost 2 million, 1.8 million. We knew about the 155 or 165, but now we're getting into the, the millions. Cousin Eddie has said in the past, his attorneys have said that he did not receive any money ever. He was not selling drugs. There was no drug connection, blah, blah, blah. And now we've got big time money. And Seton, what have you heard about that? Well, we know that there was a lawsuit filed against Cousin Eddie later in the week after Bank of America was named. But let's get to that, to that in a minute. Um, I think we should talk about Bank of America first. Another thing I noticed they said in the complaint was that Bank of America failed to terminate Alec Murdoch as a customer after all of this information was exposed. Um, so I'd love to talk to somebody in banking to see how you would terminate a customer's account. Um, I'm sure there's some sort of rules. Bland says that Bank of America is nothing more than a high-tech laundromat. Man's good with his quotes. Yes. You cannot uh, ever question Eric Bland in the, uh, the, the quotes. The complaint alleges that BOA is required to have quote, anti-money laundering policies and procedures in order to assist in complying with such laws as the U.S. Uh, Patriot Act. Any thoughts on all of that, John Snyder? I find Bank of America to be one of the most cautious banks out there. And, and part of that's their size. Part of that's their, they are, you know, the country's you know, largest or second largest, depending on uh, the month. and. They are under massive regulator scrutiny. My issue with Bank of America is limited. Murdaugh is just, he's opened an account under his own social security number. He's provided a doing business as, and checks are coming in to the name of that business. And there, there would be no reason to question that, especially if he's regularly holding high balances in there, there's not any you know, chargebacks, don't work for a bank. So I, I don't know for sure, but I, d- I wouldn't see anything unusual about this account. And then the idea that they should like immediately cancel the account based on the allegations, you know, you always want to go after the deep pockets and a bank generally has deep pockets. I believe that they were in negotiations, they were in uh, mediation, and then that fell apart, and then it went to uh, court. So Right, and the lawsuit's asking for the $4.3 million in damages, um, and they also are asking for punitive damages um, to impress upon BAOA the seriousness of their conduct and to deter such similar conduct in the future. A few things uh, that jump out, the most of the checks were kept under ten grand. That's the magical number that a red flag pops up. And I also noticed that back in March of 2021, which was just three months before Maggie Murdoch was found dead in her home, uh, that she did endorse a check for $839.50. So I think they're saying, you know, she she was not a person on this account, so she should not have been allowed to endorse the check. And three months later, she's murdered. But we also don't know at this point, we know Alec is not above forging signatures, I would imagine. So do we can we swear that that was her signature? Yeah. Look, right? So I don't know. How does Bank of America respond? Bill Holden, 
Bank spokesman. There's no basis for this lawsuit. We are asking the court to dismiss it. Make no mistake, the wrongdoer here was Mr. Murdoch, and the diversion of these funds occurred away from Bank of America. We had no knowledge of any theft and followed standard procedures and account openings for a sole proprietor business. So again, money can flow in and out when he put it in a proprietor business, which I think is probably important because it wasn't an individual account. It's a business account. So it's not as likely, I would imagine, to see money going in. But I guess he opened the account with a social security number and not a tax ID number. So, John, what are your thoughts about that? That is a standard procedure for a sole proprietor. You use your social security number. You give them the name of your company. You take and register that that doing business as with uh, in North Carolina, it's the register of deeds. South Carolina may have somebody different that you do it with. And you can go out and be, you know, Jimmy's school for driving school for the blind. And it, it can be under your social security number and you can accept, you know, checks written to Jimmy's driving school. Uh, and so Alex has opened up an account using a business name, provided the information to the bank. If they said, what type of business is it? He might have said, you know, legal business. Well, he, we know he did set up two accounts, one under the Forge name, one in 2015 and one in 2018. And there was a lot of money going in and out. But again, if you have a comp- if you have a business and they know, and let's say you're at a, a branch where they know the Murdoch name or the Forge name, well, that's money goes in and out, right? Yeah. The, the checks are being written from, like, the deposits are coming from accounts that are you know, also probably with a national bank or a well-known and established bank in the community. So there's no, like, if you got a $100,000 check from their law firm, you wouldn't have any reason to question that because it's it's from a trust account check. All right, let's talk Cousin Eddie. Eddie Smith, who was involved, as I said, in the Labor Day suicide for hire fail depending on whose side you're talking to about what happened there. But the Satterfield State filed a claim against Cousin Eddie, claiming he may have received as much as $2 million from the $3.4 million settlement in the claim that came from Alex Homeowners Insurance. And the new lawsuit seeks to get any property in possession of Smith that was obtained by Satterfield money. And you see where they showed Smith lived, and you, and you see Eddie Smith. It certainly doesn't look like he's living high on the hog. No, he's it not doesn't. looking like a millionaire. He does not. He lives. They also want to explore Smith's role in aiding and abetting Alec. So it seems that he did have some sort of role, but yeah, he, did, he did not seem like he was living high on the hog. And maybe Alec was using his name. We don't know, right? Uh, in the press release by Bland Richter, they questioned where's the money? That is the big question, right? Definitely. And yeah, I think that's going to give us lots of answers to a lot of different aspects of the Murdoch situation. Where is the money? From day one, this has been a money thing. Follow that money. Find that money. It's usually when you are hiding money, it's not going to a nice charity somewhere. You're not helping out the kids. Yeah, so the attorneys for Mr. Smith gave a quote to Fitz News and basically said that their client was not the beneficiary of anywhere near $2 million and questions of how any financial or legal document created or endorsed by Alec Murdoch could be trusted. Mm-hmm. There you go. But there's, they, I noticed they say anywhere near $2 million. Not ruling out that there wasn't <laughs> a bunch. 
There could, some. There could have been some. Right. That but, changes everything. So, you, John, do you think uh, Cousin Eddie is in bigger trouble than Bank of America? He would be a co-conspirator, and the question is whether he was a knowing co-conspirator. And what the question would be, what song is Eddie singing? Yes, that's is exactly he what I was saying, about to say. Hey, did I, you know, yes, Alex asked me to take these checks, you know, and has some convoluted story. I mean, at this stage, with what we've learned over the last six months, I don't think there's anything Alex wouldn't do. Right. <laughs> so, or wouldn't say. Uh, one, one of the old, old, Lines is, you know, sometimes when you are trying the devil, you have to go hell to find your witnesses. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie may not be the cleanest guy in the world, but he may not be anywhere near what what Alex is and or what Harpulian and Griffin want to paint him as. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, it's it would be very surprising if Eddie Smith is going to protect Alec Murdoch in any way. I, I just can't see that happening unless there's some very 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 dark secrets then maybe he holds on to him but he's already thrown alec under the bus yeah there's there's always the lingering question of the unresolved crime and but the flip side is also you know to eddie's eddie's lawyer's response is hey alec there's nothing stopping alex from doing anything so why wouldn't he sign somebody's yes. name, go go set up an account in Eddie's name? Right. And Eddie never knows <laughs> yeah. anything about it. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you lie to your dear friend about how much a settlement check they got, you're certainly going to lie to a, you know, a, a guy that has a reputation for drug use. Anthony Cook, who was the boyfriend of Mallory Beach, has also filed a lawsuit against Parkers and Alec Murdoch in relation to the boating accident in which Mallory Beach died in February of 2019. In the complaint, it alleges that Alec should have known that his son was not fit to drive the boat. As we've heard before, it alleges that Paul used his brother's ID and his mother's credit card to purchase alcohol. It also says that Alec should have known his son's tendencies to consume alcohol to the point of intoxication. Also in this complaint, it talks about Parker's, the convenience store. In 2016, there was an incident in Hilton Head where a customer, not a Murdoch, just someone else, uh, attempted to purchase alcohol without an ID. The customer was encouraged to go outside and find a person to purchase the alcohol for them, uh, which was successful. And subsequently, the customer hit a tree and there were multiple fatalities involved. They're saying it's not the first time that alcohol was purchased by someone who should not have had it. So they're going to paint some sort of history with the Parkers. And Alex should not have let his son drive the boat because Alex should have been aware that he was a heavy drinker and drove his boat while drunk before. Right. Just that he wasn't fit to drive. I've seen a lot of talk about how, you know, culpability of other boaters, they were all drinking and that sort of thing. So I just thought that it would be good to do a recap of comparative negligence for our listeners. Okay. Comparative negligence is a South Carolina distinctive where, and other states do it as well, but where it looks at the action of each person involved in a tort, which is a 
you know, a lawsuit. And whatever their amount of responsibility is, that's how the judgment would get apportioned. So you've been picked up in a boat where you've just left Sunday school and uh, you've done nothing wrong and your boat driver has been hitting the fireball and um, and one of those hard, hard spritzers pretty hard the last 12 hours, okay? In that case, you would have 100% or civil liability on behalf of the of the uh, the white claw fireball, and you'd have zero on the on the victim of the crash. In the boating accident, in this case, you have a completely obliterated, tore up from the floor up boat driver, but you have other people in the boat that are also drinking, and so a jury at trial may say, "Hey, Paul was seventy percent." at fault and you all were 30% at fault. So if you were seeking a million dollars, the most you could get would be 700,000 versus North Carolina, which has a a strict liability that if you are at all liable, even if you're riding in the car, you get no recovery. So there's, there's zero recovery if you're at fault in any manner as the, as the victim. Now, what makes South Carolina interesting is it's not a zero-sum game in their personal injury cases, which which is why Murdaugh and all these other guys do these kind of cases, because even if your client was like, he had drank a lot and he's only, he's only 40% at fault, there's still 10%, you know, there's still $100,000 that could be recovered in a lawsuit. I got, oh, I see. Okay. Better to be a litigator in South Carolina than North Carolina, I'm thinking. A thousand times over. Yes. John, thank you. John Snyder, legal analyst uh, with us again. Have a good holiday. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that wraps up another episode. I believe we're hoping to have an expert on money laundering coming up soon in an upcoming episode. Also, a reminder, the Oxygen Special that runs on, what is the date again? The 12th. Is that right? Yeah, the 12th. 8 o'clock, two-hour Oxygen Special about the Murdoch case with Seton Tucker and Matt Harris on it. And Seton, you always really rise when I mention it. You're not like, you're going to be great. You're going to look great. Uh, Also, Murdoch Podcast, Facebook page, and MurdochPodcast.com. Thank you so much. We're always so grateful for anybody that listens. We love when you give us responses and critiques. We take it. We take it on, and we try to get better every time, and we will talk to you soon. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing Podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. 
You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. My name is Bill Huffman and I am a former Cleveland News producer and I am now the host of the podcast Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic. And now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows.